You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. everyone and welcome to the Cyberwire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. One of our research projects is related to the analysis of a Docker images that are pushed and updated on Docker Hub every day. Our guests today are Alessandro Brucato and Michael Clark from Sysdig. The research we're discussing today is titled AWS's Hidden Threat, Amber Squid Cloud-Native Crypto-Jacking Operation. Quite recently, one of those images actually caught our attention. That's Alessandro Brucato. Because we suddenly found that it was really interesting. As we delved into it, we discovered what, then, what we then called this Amber Squid operation. And uh, what that image was about was actually to run a set of scripts that use some given AWS credentials. And what these scripts do is to spin up a lot of resources inside the environment of the, of the inside the victim's AWS environment. And uh, these resources are spread among different uh, services in, mul- in multiple regions. The malicious point is that all of these resources were actually running crypto miners. So a lot of uh, miners have be- been used in a lot of platform in many ways, but this was the first time that we saw exploitation of uh, legitimate AWS services in order to to actually uh, run crypto miners. And, uh, and that was really interesting to us. So, Michael, can you fill in some of the details here? I mean, reading through the research, it's my understanding that these folks were targeting some, uh, some lesser used AWS services. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, exactly. Like, we've seen many crypto mining operations that just use EC2. That's like the most common. But in this operation, they were using Fargate, code build, uh, amplify, SageMaker. 
So they were really spreading across all these other services, which are not generally thought about as being used for crypto mining and don't have the same coverage in uh, things like CloudTrail, uh, like spinning up an EC2 might, the, the, friend, the, the log aspect of forensic. So they're definitely trying to spread it out and fly under the radar. So is the notion here that uh, these services are, are less likely to raise a flag and, and say, hey, are you sure you want to be spending this kind of money with us? Exactly. That's one. When you try to spin up a bunch of EC2 on certain AWS accounts, it'll block you and you have to go ask for permission to do more and things like that. With these, all these other services, that's the compute's kind of uh, abstracted away, but you can still run your custom things on it. So they don't have the same restrictions. Well, walk me through how someone would find themselves falling victim to this. I mean, how does it begin? Docker images are actually post-exploitation um, exploitation weapons, we can say, because um, they require some AWS keys in order to be used. We can think of this attack scenario as um, of the, these threat actors which stole in any ways some overly permissive keys, and then um, actually simply pass these keys to their Docker images, and then just by running them, they will um, begin this all, all of the process of running uh, several resources among these, these services. Actually, the, the initial access is not really related to these Docker images, but then once uh, the victim falls for these uh, credentials still, um, they will, in few in few minutes, they will already find themselves in a pretty huge trouble, I would say, because they will find themselves in a sort of, uh, <laughs> in the middle of uh, a lot of resources spinning up, and it, it will be pretty hard to, uh, for the investigators to um, find out and find all the resources, all the miners running, and actually kill them. So the, the post-investigation part will be pretty hard compared to mainly just targeting one service in one, uh, one region. So, Michael, is this a, a case where once it's installed, it, it sort of cascades across the service as, as quickly as possible to sort of a smash and grab kind of thing? We're going to get all the, the compute power that we can while we can? I don't think so. They don't go, like I said, they don't try to spin up as many EC2 instances as possible. Hmm. The other services are... I think you can, they don't offer as many powerful resources as EC2 might, but they do offer you know, runtime. So it may actually be kind of lower and slower. But once you spread it out across re- many different regions and even multiple accounts, it can scale up pretty quickly, even though it's kind of going low and slow. And once they're up and running, are they aiming for persistence here? Yeah, so we found that there are, there are actually um, some scripts that they are uh, exactly doing that. So they are just um, periodically checking if some of the resources is uh, as terminated and just rerun them. For, and that's for every, every service. So uh, the persistent factor is, is really uh, one of the key factors of them. Because, also because actually um, most of the services uh, run what, what are called build instances. And build instances are actually uh, some sort of EC2 instances, but managed by AWS in order to build some sort of projects, image, and stuff like that. And these attackers exploited these build instances to actually run the miners. And uh, so when the build phase is terminated, 
the, those scripts take care of just uh, rerunning and restarting the, the process in all the regions. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And what are they mining here? What, what sort of crypto miners are they using? We saw a lot of varieties of crypto miners, actually. I actually didn't count them, but they are, uh, I think, more than 10 different of um, crypto mine, uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, so actually what we did was also a sort of research about uh, all, the wall, all the crypto wallets that we found for every different uh, cryptocurrency in order to see uh, in which currency, maybe they get more, uh, more money out of them. And uh, yeah, but actually they, they mine with Tidecoin, Zephyr, Verus, Monero, and, and something more. Do we have a sense for how successful they've been? Do, do we, can we look inside some of those wallets? Yeah, we managed to look uh, inside some of them. Not all of them, actually, but some of them, yes. And from what we saw, um, we count actually that around at least... Um, 18,000 of dollars were received in those wallets. But yeah, considering that there are, that there are also wallets cannot investigate it, yeah, this, uh, this sum will be surely higher. Yeah. Any idea what part of the world these folks are coming from? From the actual language that we saw in the scripts, uh, we expect that those actors can be Indonesian because we saw, uh, several, uh, we saw different words in Indonesian, actually. And... Uh, that makes sense, actually, because in Indonesia, probably the cost of life is, uh, is pretty low. So mining and targeting um, like companies all, all around the world to have to, um, to gather money with crypto mining would be really good for them, actually. Mm. Michael, I, I'm curious, how would I find out that I was falling victim to this? I mean, is this, is it, would it be likely that the first alert I would have would be getting a surprise bill? If you're not monitoring your your usage of, of different services, and then yeah, your your first notification would be the bill. Now, like uh, in our research, we did find that some of the services, when you start them up, like SageMaker, pretty much all of them will leave something in Cloudflare that says, "Hey, I, I this thing started." Now, only one or two of them will give enough information to understand that they're bad. So if you know your environment very well and know that no one's doing SageMaker, no one's doing Amplify, then it can be easy to spot. But if those are commonly used in your environment, it is, it'll be exceedingly difficult to spot and understand that they're, they're not supposed to be there. So what are your recommendations then? I mean, for folks to best protect themselves, what short, sort of things should they put in place? I mean, the usual kind of AWS answer of, you know, limits and things like that. But you have to pay attention to your cloud trail. Uh, some of them do offer the opportunities for detection and response because they, in the cloud trail, I forget which services specifically, but they will have the command line. 
in the uh, in the cloud chart log. So some of them do lend themselves to cloud detection response technologies, but the, for the other services, it really comes down to understanding if they're supposed to be running or not, and you can use threat detection response to trigger on those if they're not supposed to be running. Other than that, there's really not too much uh, that can be done, but that should be enough. Yeah. Alessandro, any final thoughts here? Yeah, so basically just to sum up the advantages of this, um, of this operation, because it, it, is, it is always interesting to see how like, attackers come up with uh, new ideas, and it's the first time that actually we, we saw something like that. But the main advantages are in, uh, in exploiting multiple, multiple services is that, as we said, um, they bypass the restriction that can put in place, but the AWS itself. Also, they, their post-investigation for the victims is, uh, will be harder, much harder, because they have to find all the running miners in order to kill them. And uh, um, most of the services provide those instances without uh, ability of actually, for, for the victim of actually to um, put in place some runtime security coverage. So it's a pretty interesting attack, I can say. And uh, yeah, like everyone should put in place some really um, strong security measures for the logging mechanism in order to correlate all the events in order to find out what exactly is going wrong. So reading through the research here, you point out that there's something interesting when it comes to the runtime here. What's going on? Yeah, so like things like EC2 and Fargate, a lot of uh, services let you run agents. So you can monitor the behavior on all these compute instances. But these other services like Amplify, SageMaker, and the other ones in the report don't offer that capability. So these are kind of blind to all the runtime threat detection tools that are out there. So they make for a nice stealthy way for these attackers to, to run their miners and not be seen by typical you know, threat detection. Yeah, it really seems to me like this is sort of a novel and, uh, dare I say, clever way of taking advantage of some compute power in a way that it isn't really intended to be used. Is, is that an accurate description? I think so. That's why we found it so interesting. Is we had never seen it before. And honestly, I'd never heard of some of the services involved before. So, you know, there are so many that these providers offer. And I'd never heard of like Amplify, for example. And to see that they were, that was being abused was was very interesting. Our thanks to Alessandro Brucato and Michael Clark from Sysdig for joining us. The research is titled AWS's Hidden Threat, Amber Squid Cloud Native Crypto Jacking Operation. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. 
CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.